Well, we had Friday night, we had our uh, supper meeting, and if you guys, some of the rest of you who are doing that, if you've been able to do it yet or not, we had a good time. It was a, it was a lot of fun. So it's always good to get together with people that you enjoy and eat and uh, just be together. So grateful for that. And uh, Thomas just waved at me the offering plate. So I guess we're going to have an offering to the Lord. If you feel led to give, the plate's at the back when we walk out. Chance to worship. Tonight, I want to talk about how to have a peace of mind, to be at peace with yourself. And we're actually going to look at four questions that are a part of that, that we need to ask ourselves, and they're derived from the life of Moses. It's described in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 29. So I'll ask when you find that to stand in our God's honor as I read the text. Hebrews 11, 23 through 29. By faith... Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, They were drowned. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a chance once again to gather and worship you. To sing songs that, Father, we love that talk about you. You are the one, Father, we sing to. And everything we do here, we want it to be to you. Father, help us because it's really easy to go through the motions instead of to the master. And so I pray in our time tonight that we would not just go through the motions, but we'd go to the master. That's you. Father, God, your servant, as I seek to share your truth, and Father, do a lot better job than I ever could. Holy Spirit, teach us. and May we just hear from you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we learn about having peace of mind, the word that comes to my mind is humility. In Hebrews 12.3 uh, says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. So I, I want to start there when you think about humility. It's given to us from God. The whole idea of humility, the whole ability to be able to turn to God and to walk with God and to trust God and to follow God, it's because He supplies the grace. So He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, 
Here's the next part. He says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And see, that's what tends to happen to us. Is we exalt ourselves. And we don't exalt the Lord. That's not humility. That's pride. And that's the natural way we tend to go because of the sinful nature. Um, I'll never forget years ago hearing Steve Brown talk about he he was working so diligently uh, in some type of program they were going to have in their church. And he was so worried about it. And so he asked a friend of his, he said, what do you think? Do you think it'll work? Do, do, do you think this is the right thing to do? You know, have I done this right? And his friend just looked at him and said, Steve, Steve. He said, brother, you need to calm down. He said, look. You just need to trust God. God does not fail anybody. And if he's going to start, it'd probably be somebody big. Not a peon like you. And as far as spiritually, we're all peons. But by the very grace of God, are we even able to follow him and serve him and have salvation that's in him? He says, don't think of yourselves more highly than you all. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. What happens with faith? Faith is when we just put our confidence in the God who has rescued us. Who has supplied that grace to us. But it's with sober judgment. Well, what's sober judgment? I'm little. He's big. He's great. I'm not much, but I'm His. That's humility, and that is displayed in the life of Moses. It says in Numbers 12.3 that he was the meekest man who ever lived, and then IV, the most humble man on all the earth. And you think about it. He's got a million Jews, 40 years in the wilderness, constant grumbling, constant complaining, and there's no record of... Uh, him not acting in humility and in gentleness under those constant conditions. The truth of the matter is, uh, it takes humility. It takes being able to look up to God when times are tough instead of looking around us. I love the way Corey Tinboom used to put it. You know, she was in the concentration camp and all of her family ended up dying as a result of trying to protect Jews and to hide them from the Nazis. And Corey, she had a great little saying. She said, when I look around, I get distressed. And when I look within, I get depressed. But when I look up, I'm at rest. That's the key. That was the work of Moses that's demonstrated. So I want to look at these uh, four questions. First is verse 24. Uh, It reads, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So the first question is, Who am I? If you, you remember the background... With Moses. All of the Hebrew baby boys. 
their lives were being snuffed out by the command of Pharaoh. And Moses' mother hid him, kept him safe, put him in a basket, and then put him down the Nile River with this ingenious plan where the princess of Egypt saw him and immediately fell in love with him, took out of the water, out of that water, ended up raising her, raising him in the palace. And so he was trained to be a prince, received the best education, received uh, all that money could buy, all that power could provide, all the pleasures that a person could think of or want or long for. It was all available to him. But for Moses, there came a point of, who am I? What is my real identity? Am I an Egyptian? Is my goal really to search for what Egypt can provide? Or is my goal to seek after God? Because he knew that he was a Hebrew. He was not an Egyptian. And and there was this battle that went on within Moses of, who am I? Am I an Egyptian or am I Hebrew? Who am I? And the question comes to us in the family of God. Who am I? Am I a child of this world system? Am I ruled by the sinful nature? Or am I a child of God? Ruled by God? Am I going to live the lie of being who I am not? Or am I going to live according to whose I am and who I am through the transforming power of Jesus Christ who says, when a man is born again, a woman is born again, he becomes a child of God. Matter of fact, it says, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. And that's who we are. Second question, or or second part of this, is to just realize who you are, who your identity is in Christ. Now, I'm going to spend just a minute looking at Galatians 5 because it gives us some insight in Galatians 5 to our identity in Christ. Uh, the very first verse, it said, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. When Christ saves us, He sets us free from sin. There's nothing that can rip us away from God's love and from His family. We're truly a part of His identity. But just because we carry the name of Christ, just because we're safe in the grace of God, doesn't mean that we can't make choices to not live according to who we are. And, and uh, as, as you go down here through the chapter Galatians 5, he, he gives a list. I'm not going to take time to read through all of these, but um, you get down to verse 19, he says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And he just goes through a list here of what it looks like to live as if God's not there. I'm going to go after everything that Sounds exciting. Everything I think will satisfy me. Not worry about any possible consequences. But just go for the gusto. And that is in contrast to verse 22 and 23. Which some of you guys could probably 
help me quote. And it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what a child of God looks like. That's who I'm called to be. So you want to know how, you know, how do I recognize a, ch- a child of God? Well, does that mark my life? Love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Second question. Who do I want to be? Look at verse 25. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. The word that really sticks out there to me is he chose. He chose. He refused to continue living a lie to be somebody he was not. And then he chose to live the life of who he really is, who he really was, God's child. He chose to live for God. The Christian life's not about just a bunch of rules. It's about making a decision to walk in God's ways. We can walk outside of God's ways. There's a price for that. And His call is that we walk in His ways. It's very easy for us to play that blame game and to say, well, you know, it's not really my fault. It's because of my parents or it's because of this experience that has wounded me for the rest of my life. And there is a lot of pain that happens. And Moses had to deal with a lot of pain, but he said, I chose. I chose to be mistreated But I'm going to follow God. I'm going to go the path and I'm going to quit living the lie and living the identity of being in God's family. The whole blame thing goes back all the way to the Garden of Eden. Uh, Matter of fact, when you look in um, Genesis chapter 3 and we look at the fall and we see where the blame game uh, really took off. Verse 12, the man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. And so, you know, God's just trying to get Adam to tell the truth, to come clean. And what's Adam say? Well, it's this woman's fault. But here's the irony of it. He says, this woman you gave me. So ultimately, he's blaming God. God, if you hadn't come up with this wacky plan, none of this would have ever happened. And then you get to the next verse, and the blame game continues. Verse 13, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you've done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate it. I ate this fruit. And so she's blaming the serpent, but there is no mention of, This was my choice. So that brings to the next part. We're called to accept responsibility for I'm to accept responsibility for my choices and for my life. Moses chose to be mistreated, chose to be identified with the living God. I love this quote by um, Charles Swindoll. 
on attitude. He says, the longer I love, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It's more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have. And that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. Is my attitude one of becoming better or becoming bitter? Is my attitude one of trust or is it one of decay inside of me? You see, we give people the power to hurt us. We need to turn to God and, and cry out to Him. Wayne Dyer writes, All blame's a waste of time. No matter how much fault you find with another, regardless of how much you blame him, it will not change you. You may succeed in making another feel guilty of something by blaming him. You won't succeed in changing whatever it is about you that's making you unhappy. Susan Jacoby wrote about the power of blaming others for your problems. And she came up with this list of how to recognize those who blame others. They endlessly repeat how others have mistreated them. They view the world as hostile and unfair to them. They are beachcombers of misery who see each grievance as a treasure to add to their collection. They've hidden a hidden need to feel wronged. They live by the childish notion that life should always be fair to them. All right, third question in verse 26. What's important in my life? He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. He was looking ahead. He wasn't putting everything upon now. But upon what God will provide. What God sets aside for those who live, not just for the moment, but who live for eternity and the importance of that. There's nothing wrong with pleasure. But when pleasure becomes an idol, when pleasure becomes our God, when pleasure becomes our ultimate goal, which we see so often in our society. Here's the thing about pleasure too. It doesn't last. It passes. It, it has an expiration date on it. But that's not true with God. It says the one who does the will of God lives forever. But the one who chases the pleasures of this world, that's temporal. That passes. Even seeking things, that in itself 
is not wrong as long as it doesn't become the ultimate pursuit. I mean, you had rich people in the Bible. Some of the saints in the Scripture that are most respected were wealthy. Job, Abraham, David. They had a lot. But they weren't ruled by those possessions. Jesus said it this way in Luke, the book of Luke. He said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. It's not a matter of what we gain that makes us happy and as far as what we can purchase. That is finding our satisfaction in God. Next question uh, How am I going to live? Look at verse 27. He says, By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He persevered through the difficulties because he never lost sight of God as he faced the difficulties. Someone has said we should never let our problems get us down unless it gets us down to our knees to pray. Um, and the importance in, in that of facing those difficulties as they come our way. Facing the difficulties is not merely in our own abilities, but it's in God as He helps us. It says in Romans 1.17, the just or the righteous shall live by faith. Faith is something... That we do, although we can't clearly see. But it's trust. And it's a confidence that we'll be guided as we follow. Jesus said in John eight 12, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. But will have the light of life. We're able to see... When we follow Jesus. Because he provides just enough light. For us to take the right step. To see that we may not be able to see. Far enough ahead to really know exactly where we're going. But we see far enough ahead to take the right step. Have you ever been. I'm sure you have somewhere where it's really really dark. I've had some real mishaps when it's really really dark. And not find a light. I've walked into walls. I've stepped on a Things that hurt my feet and foot pain is painful um, because I couldn't see. I've had times where I was afraid to take a next step. And all I really did was move around the wall hoping I could find that light switch that would cut the light on so I could see. And the call is that the light of God, Jesus, the light of the world, guides us and leads us. Because without Him... It's darkness, and we can't see. Hebrews eleven six says it this way. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists, and He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. It's not a matter of having it all together. It's a matter of knowing where to run, and who to lead you, who to guide you. So Moses, he asked these questions and he followed his Lord. Who am I? Who do I want to be? What's important in my life? 
And how am I going to live? Let's pray. Father, uh, sometimes we don't know where to go and what to do. We need to have a heart-to-heart with you, the living God. We need to be reminded that we belong to you. It's far too easy sometimes, Father, to just play, not pray. To work, but not walk with you. Father, remind us who we are, Lord. That our identity is in Jesus. And Father, who do we want to be? We want to be more like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 We who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from His Spirit. God, by Your Spirit, continue to change our appearance that we spiritually may look more like Jesus. And Father, we need to ask what's important is where I'm investing my life, will it last? Or is it just going to crumble and fall apart? Because, Father, that matters so much, Lord. And um, are we really looking for the light of the world as we walk? Because if we're not, then we can't see where we're going. Because it's by faith that we walk. It's by faith that we live And that's how we get where we need to be. And I just pray for us, your people tonight, Lord, that we might turn to you and that we might be truly humble, which means that we understand who you are and we catch a dose of reality of who we are. And, Father, that we might not only discern that, but live in that truth, Father, of needing you. Uh, Father, what do you want to call us to do this week, Father. Um, I don't know where you're going to send us because we're on mission. Who do you want us to talk to? How do you want us to communicate Jesus because we are your ambassadors? Help us, Father, to, to ask these questions of, you know, personally, Father, and to follow you. Lord, as we have this time we call invitation, I don't know what you ultimately want to do tonight. But may we be open to the call of whatever that may be. So Spirit, have the freedom to speak. And may we just say yes to what you say. Whether it's to come to an altar or to do business where we are. um, Or Father, to share with your people. But may we follow you because that's what matters, Lord. So just guide us as we take time to sing and respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.